It's Autumn and Winter Podcast. This is Anna. And Marella. And today we've got Salima Mumani, and we're talking about ageism, getting older, and cultural perspectives. So Salima, tell us a bit about yourself, your background. Okay. So my name is Salima, and I was born in Uganda, East Africa, and I'm in my late 40s. So in 1972, we were actually expelled from Africa by dictator Idi Amin. And so we actually had to flee and were in refugee camps in Austria. And then from Austria, I think we were there for six months, maybe, I'm not sure. And then from Austria, we got immigration. Uh, Sweden took us in as immigrants. So what you will know about my culture is a lot of people came to Canada or they went to Europe. And so my father had a Ugandan passport and my mom had a British passport. So they didn't want to be split up. Mm -hmm. So we ended up going to Europe. So we lived in Europe, in Sweden for nine years, which was actually amazing. I loved it. And I was only almost two when we were in Sweden. Culturally, that was probably a shock to my parents. They were also born in East Africa. My grandparents were born in India. And so they migrated to Africa and then had my parents and then me and my two siblings came along. So far, yeah. you, you have the culture of India, yep. the culture of East Africa, yes. the culture of Sweden. Yes. You're and, now Canadian. and now Canadian. <laughs> yeah, so lot, lots of culture. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was, I think it was a good thing for my parents because it opened up their eyes to another culture. So then we were in Sweden for nine years and then we moved to Canada. And so, of course, I've lived here the longest. But I still think when I think heritage, when I think home, I still tell people, you know, when they say, oh, where are you from? And I'm like, well, what do you mean where I live now Mm. or where I was born? (laughs) So I still think of myself as East African. When people ask me, who am I or where am I from? I won't automatically say I'm Canadian, even though I've lived here the longest. And I also always say, and I lived in Sweden because I'm very proud of it. (laughs) So, you know, I've lived here the longest and growing up here was not easy for me. Having lived in Sweden, the cultural thing about living in Sweden and then moving to Canada, in my community, people almost thought that I was one of those rebels. Mm. So it was really hard to make friends. Parents Why is that? Would, Why is I don't that? know. Parents would say, "Oh, don't be Slima's friend because she's trouble." Is that in I'm Canada or Sweden? Old. No, Canada. Canada. Really? Because when I moved here, I was about ten, mm-hmm. and so I'd be like, "How could you give me that stigma?" I, I mean, I'm I'm a ten-year-old. Yeah. What would I have possibly done? Mm. Just because I speak Swedish doesn't mean that I'm corrupted in some way. So it was really hard to make friends within my community it wasn't hard making friends at school with North Americans so, so oh I see it was just within my culture so uh, and and you I'm going to refer to it as Southeast Asian community yeah, yeah and the Southeast Asian community felt that perhaps you had been somehow corrupted by these Swedish morals yeah or something is it is it because they viewed Sweden as sort of more laissez-faire and more free more, more free yeah. and they... and we were like I mean my parents were more open-minded right <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm not saying that we did a lot of stuff or you know yeah. bad stuff because we didn't but I think just not moving from East Africa straight to Canada made us different. Yes, I see. And, and you know, Sweden is seen as a very liberal, yes. open culture. Yes. 
And when were you here in Canada? What years? 1981. Okay, and still very conservative yeah, community yeah. and very conservative Canada. Yeah. I mean, I'm Italian and I got to tell you, the weirdest thing I ever had happen to me was in grade one, I had earrings because right. I'm Italian. And when we moved to a very Canadian suburb, everyone thought I was a prostitute because right. I had earrings. Right, exactly. The stereotyping. Like it's, it's a bizarre kind of a thing what some cultures will look at yes. as being wild or rebel yes exactly mm -hmm. but I think that you know having experienced those cultures yeah kind of made you you yes so and I'm very happy yeah I'm very happy that I got the experience to live in Sweden now I'm in my late 40s so I know your topic is ageism because I know you have a daughter I do have a not... daughter um that I'm adopting so I'm 48 years old, so I'm considered very old in my community to have a child. But not only that, the ageism starts with like something simple as hair. So I went gray very early, like in my mid-20s. And I was very salt and pepper at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was always told, oh no, you're too young, you shouldn't be salt and pepper, you need to go color your hair. So peer pressure got me and I colored my hair. Well, two years ago, I woke up and I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> I'm going to go gray. And that has been hard for my community to mm -hmm. see me go gray. I mean, I, I did it in stages. stages yeah. I didn't just go from, you know, black to gray. I kind of transitioned into it. But going gray in my community means that you're getting old. And I got to tell you, I've seen a lot of older, like, with a lot of longevity, East Asian women yes. with black hair. Yes. My mom is a great example. She's not ready to go gray. I finally talked her into it. I said, what are you scared of? It's mm. just color. It's, <laughs> just you've lost color pigment. Yeah. Right? It doesn't, it's not about aging. Because if it was, it's not about oh, you. <laughs> I'm not that. I wouldn't consider myself old, but I'm gray. So it, that part has, that's the part that's really hurting me about um, people in my community associating gray with you being old. Yes. I've been called a grandma already, or someone said, oh, I thought you were your mom. Really? Oh. Or, you know, being called a witch. I mean, I've been called a lot of things in, in mosque, and some of these people don't even know me. So I think that's the part in my culture that I hope that people mm. will get away from. Do they have that to the men? No. Ah. Because it's sexy for a man to go something. Of pepper, course, that right? you know, it seems but to be skewed that yeah, way. Yeah. Oh. However, yesterday I had two older women, um, older than me, actually come to me and say, "How did you do it?" So I think I have now helped my community in kind of thinking, "Oh, if she can do it, we can do it." So you're inspiring. I think I've inspired a few. You, you know, you're breaking tradition yeah. and you're actually evolving. Yeah. Now, yeah. if, that, if they're talking that way about gray hair, how is your community Wasn't accepting you ad adopting? No, they think adopting is an amazing thing that I'm doing. Okay. They said it's okay. such a good blessing. You're helping someone else. What they can wrap their head around sometime is that she's Caucasian. Oh. oh. Okay, so she, both her birth parents are Caucasian. So I get a lot of, oh, is she a mixed child? Mm-hmm. No, she's not. But is that any of your business? Huh. And right? what difference does it make? And what right? difference does it make? I would think. Right? Yeah. Um, so, when so how I, do you when handle that? How do you handle that? Because that's a lot coming your way. Well, someone did ask me, is she a mixed baby? I said, perhaps. <laughs> and then there I just go. left it. I'm like, <laughs> if you want to dig deeper, then you're going to have to ask me. But I'm not going to just 
give you the answer. Someone asked me if my husband was Caucasian and I said no. But the thing about me adopting is uh, people are saying, oh, I never saw you pregnant. I said, that's correct, I wasn't. <laughs> then they would ask me, someone asked me, oh, you didn't have a, you weren't pregnant, no. Oh, are you married? Uh, no. So to have a baby means that you've had to have been pregnant mm -hmm. and you're supposed to have a husband. Mm -hmm. So I've totally, <laughs> um, you know, I guess no. <laughs> I'm none of those. <laughs> One person did ask me, oh, are you married? And I said, no. Oh, I didn't see you pregnant. Correct, I wasn't pregnant. Oh, did you, um, she actually said, did you get artificially inseminated? Really? And I said, no, I was never pregnant. <laughs> so then no, I finally no. actually had to say, I'm adopting her. So, I think so you're breaking the stereotypes. I am. You're, mm -hmm. you're opening up different ways of living. But I would say in general, those yeah. might be questions, not only your community, but yeah. people tend to ask. Yeah. But especially a culture that tends to be a little tighter than others. Yes. Yeah. And you know, the guts to do that. Yeah. Because that's, well, what's the reaction from your friends, your close ones, your family? Oh, everyone loves the idea. They're mm -hmm. very happy that I've done this. My mom is ecstatic. She says, it took me 82 years to be a grandma. I'm like, well, not quite 82 years. <laughs> <laughs> then I, you know, I was just, I wasn't even born. Um, but so she's a very proud grandma. Uh, she loves being a grandma, but she's 82. So it is a lot harder on her. And mm -hmm. my little one is not thin. <laughs> she's quite chunky and, you know, she's got mm -hmm. good weight on her. So, um, Picking her up. Is yeah, yeah. But my simple. mom loves being with her. Uh, although I have to make appointments with my mom because she's a retired woman, but she volunteers a lot in her community. So she actually goes to old folks' homes to help the elderly. <laughs> so she's not <laughs> traditional kind of either. She's not traditional either. She'll, in our community, mm -hmm. she also goes to everyone's funerals, whether she knows the person or not. She'll bring food for the men because it's only the men that go to the burial. So if I want her to see my little daughter, I'll have to be like, okay, so what's your schedule? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so she, again, is very, she's not your normal East Indian or East African woman. But, but you know, that is great because it's great role modeling, yeah. especially for, you know, your daughter and also for the community, different yeah. way of being. Yeah. Nothing wrong always, you know, about being traditional. Yeah. But at the same time, there's also other options. Yeah. And the fact that you're doing that, I mean, I think is amazing. Yeah. So and I and hope my daughter doesn't look at me as an, oh, my mom is so no, old. No, <laughs> I think she's young at heart. Thrilled. But, you know, I do get my aches and pains now, but <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. the longevity thing, we yeah. could very easily live to be 100 and be healthy. Yeah. You look at Queen Elizabeth, she's 93 years old. Yeah. She's still riding horses. Right. Okay. Exactly. So you, she's you, still queen. And yes. yeah, she's still a very good monarch. Exactly. She eats healthy. Yeah. She's outdoors a lot. Yeah. We could very easily live to be 100. I think so. One of the things that I wanted to ask, because you were in so many different cultures, yeah. what do you see in differences about the way people look at longevity and aging? I still have family in Sweden, and they're oh. all, like my uncle and my aunt, um, they're retired, but they're still keeping busy doing volunteering um, or taking care of grandchildren. In my, in my family, actually, grandparents are very busy with their own lives. <laughs> I've actually, even, like, I have a lot of Swedish friends, and all their parents are still working or volunteering or doing something to uh -huh. keep busy. I don't know if that answers that question. Well, I guess I, because maybe we are under sort of the, the 
myth, uh, as one of our guests, uh, Shiraz, said, yeah. that we, we have these stereotypes that yeah. people in China never abandon their old people, people right. in Japan never let their grandparents be lonely. Right. But, but he was saying, no, where are the statistics to prove that if right. the world is global? Right. And is that your understanding too? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so it might be the media doing a, a job yeah. on us and then the business element, yeah. you know, yeah. more of that at play than actual yeah. actual reality. Yeah. yeah, I think like with my sister, she wants to retire, but she wants to retire so she can give time to her home business that she has, that mm. we have. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that she's going to retire because she'll still have a plan B. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So she's still doing something that she loves, that she enjoys, but she wouldn't mind retiring from the nine to five kind of thing and, and be, have more flexible hours of doing work that she loves. I'm beginning to see that in, in the 21st century, retirement simply uh, to most people is an opportunity for the second stage yes. of their lives yeah. to maybe fulfill a dream yeah. or a hobby, build it up. Exactly. Whereas my parents, when they were retiring, the um, average age that people would live mm -hmm. would be 65 right. for men. Yeah. And my dad died at 63. Right. Because of the lifestyles people led, they smoked, right. uh, they worked with asbestos, they worked in plants, there wasn't a lot of environmental controls. Yeah. People did die in their 60s. Yeah. So to see retirement, they probably at 65 weren't in the best of health. Right. They only had a few years to live. Yeah. But this is different now because we I are so, so much more conscious yes. of our health and we can move on. Yeah. yeah. And when I speak, because I'm in business with my sister as well, when I speak to millennials, that's what I hear a lot is that they want to have something that they can leave for their like a legacy for their family, but they want to have something aside from a nine-to-five job. Mm. They want that flexibility and freedom to do things that they enjoy, but still having an income coming in. So not just a job, but not a just fulfillment a mm -hmm. of them, of what they want yeah. to do, their mark on this this planet, on the, their yeah. life, really. Yeah. So, no, that's, that's amazing. So yeah. what would you say, how do people face challenges? You've faced yours so graciously. <laughs> what advice to, to I think just do getting you. older? I've <laughs> realized you just got to do you. And that, that day when I woke up and said, oh, okay, I'm going to go gray today. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not coloring my roots. I think that really helped. And I think that's what people should do. Just make yourself happy. You don't have to make anyone else happy. And, mm -hmm. and before, that's what I was doing. I was making others happy. But I wasn't, so now it's about me and my daughter. Well, Sleem, I think you're a really good example of this generation changing what longevity looks like. Mm -hmm. the, the be you, yeah. make decisions that appeal to you, yeah. look ahead, don't do retirement any other way than the way you see it happening. Yeah. That's great. Yes. Yeah, you're a real example. And, <laughs> yes. and you pave the way for everybody. Yes. I'm, I'm really happy that... Older women are coming to me and saying, well, how did you do yeah, your hair? Exactly. Or, you know, I know that's a very superficial thing. No, but it's still, no, but it's, 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 it's an image, yeah. right? It's yes, of what course. people have in their head. So. so it's just be you. Yeah, just be you. Salima, so thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're <laughs> very welcome. Yes. Yeah. And again, it's Anna. And Morella. For Autumn and Winter.